What is up, Conscious Monkeys? Welcome to another episode of Catch Up with Clayton. You guessed it, I'm Clayton. Today, we are coming live from a lot, Israel. Um, it's a new one for us, but I love it. It's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful view. It's pretty cool. But how did I get to a lot? Let's start there. Let's talk about this week in review because it's going to be a juicy one. I'm not kidding you guys. It's, I wrote down a lot of stuff to give you guys. So so without further ado, let's just jump into it, right? So when I left you guys off last uh, week, uh, I was still in Pittsburgh, still chilling, getting, getting ready for this uh, adventure we're about to go on. And of course, like any great adventure, it starts off with a little bit of uh, chaos. We get on the flight to go from Pittsburgh to New York, and then we're going to go from New York to Tel Aviv. So we get on the plane. They're talking about bad winds, bad you know weather that's circling over New York. So like, all right, whatever. We get on the plane. They take off. We get all the way to New York, and they put us in a holding pattern. Now, this holding pattern lasts for maybe 15, 20, 20-ish minutes. And then, and then the pilot comes on the intercom and is like, well, guys, we're, we're going back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> they can't land us. So they're like, ah, fuck, this is, this isn't good. This isn't a good start. <laughs> and so we go all the way back to Pittsburgh and there's all this confusion on the plane. If we're just going to stay on and they're going to refuel. And then they tell us that we need to get off the plane. They tell us to stay on and then they tell us to get off again. So we end up getting off. And then they're going to reboard us. And so, you know, overall, the, at this point, we're kind of delayed two and a half hours. And so they decide that we're going to reboard, but there's still people in line because, you know, if you missed your flight or you had a hotel or you were meeting somebody and you need to reschedule, they had a line there. And so I was in line because I didn't know what was going on. And I hear a group of girls approach the desk and they're probably about, I don't know, five people in front of me, something like that. And so, you know, the agent's like, sorry for the delay. And this group of girls are like, yeah, you know, da, 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 da. And the agent's like, so where's your final destination? And the girl's like, Puerto Rico. And so the agent's like, okay, so what time is that flight? Like, let's see if we can get you into New York to catch that flight. And the girl goes, well, we were going to go to New York for two days, drive down to Miami, and then fly from there to Puerto Rico. <laughs> and I don't know how this dude kept a straight face, because I just started losing it. I, I partially was like, did I actually just hear that? I was like, was that really what I just heard? Uh, so I kind of I started laughing. Uh, but I think it brings a pretty funny awareness into the psyche per se of, you know, the, the human mind, right? Like whenever chaos ensues, you don't really, like you kind of just look for other people to help you. You know, you don't really become aware of your surroundings or what's important maybe, or like what's going on. I, I don't know. I think there's something there for, or to be said about somebody kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? kind of not having their bearings. Like when everything goes crazy and chaotic, like, you know, it's okay. Like that's just a part of the journey, right? That's a part of life. That's just helpful stuff, right? Um, I don't know. I thought that was a funny, a funny way to, to start off the trip. And, you know, we, we luckily, um, our flight wasn't for like another four hours. 
So luckily, by the time our flight got to New- the actual flight landed in New York, we had about 45. Wait, no, we had to kind of walk quick, but it was still about it was like a 30, 15 minute walk. We got there. We got on the flight. We got to Tel Aviv. It was all good. Met up with my brother. I did notice in the bathrooms, and this is a pretty solid general travel tip for anybody traveling abroad. This is something I noticed in Brazil, and luckily I had my little bit of intuition when I saw it in Tel Aviv. Now, if you're an American listening, you might not have ever experienced this. But if you go into a bathroom and there's a trash can beside the bathroom, what this indicates is that you don't put the toilet paper in the toilet. What this indicates, and this is a little bit gross, it might be a little bit TMI, you probably already know where I'm going with this, but when you wipe, you throw it in the trash can. And, you know, it is what it is. Their plumbing system isn't caught up to speed, and so, you know, that's essentially what you got to do. You know, you get real intimate with uh, everything down below. (laughs) And so I saw that in Brazil, and I saw it in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, so... You know, that's a that's a helpful travel tip just to keep plumbing safe in other in other countries and just treat it as a part of the experience. You know, it's one of those things that you don't realize that you can be grateful for. All right. Like who thought you'd be grateful for the ability to put toilet paper down, a, you know, down a toilet. You don't have to look at, you know, all that stuff. But let's <laughs> let's move past it. I just I think it's a helpful thing to put out there for you guys if you ever find yourself in that situation. So we arrive in Tel Aviv, we get a we get a taxi to Jerusalem. Now, this is helpful advice specifically for Israel, I think in general, is to make sure that you identify pricing. Like it's all negotiable. Like everything's a negotiation. And so if you don't have a bearing of reference for pricing, uh, then you need to find one quick because we had a bear because what happened is, is we got a Uber or I guess it's not even an Uber. We ordered a taxi on their specialized app called Get. And it picks us up and we get in. And he tells me and asks me to cancel the ride on the app, which I'm like, all right, you know, they probably get a fee from it. Like I got you, whatever. So I cancel it. And then he's like, oh, okay, like it'll be 500 shekel for the ride. Like that's what we'll do. Like da, 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 da. And now what happens is, is whenever you're in this situation, it becomes a little bit different, difficult to bargain because you are now already in the taxi going. So it's like, okay, is he just going to let us off on the side of the road if we disagree on a price? So you got to kind of keep this in mind whenever you're, you know, going into the situation, get the uh, solidify a price beforehand, you know? Now, this wasn't outrageous. We were thinking about getting a bus, would have, which would have cost us maybe 200 shekels. So, I mean, you know, he did over double the price. Double over double? Charges more than double for the price of a bus that we were going to get. But, you know, you live, you learn. And so that's essentially what happens. Regardless, we make it to Jerusalem. It was pretty cold. The wind was blowing. Didn't really plan for it. But then, like, during the day, it was super nice. So, you know, if you're going to go and travel like kind of wear layers especially to like maybe the middle east in general because it's a desert environment so you know that's kind of what happens is that it gets cold at night hot during the day so regardless uh we're walking through like kind of the city of jerusalem and it's super fascinating because it's very it seems like a very mercantile economy that is in the city of jerusalem where shops are 
like just set up on the road, kind of side by side. And I kind of had this like very weird, like deja vu, almost feeling of like, you know, this is probably what it felt like over 2000 years ago. Like if you look at any, let's say old school video or movie depicting, let's say Jerusalem or Middle Eastern culture, you know, everybody is set up with their shops, just one after another. Like there had to have been, there were easily hundreds and hundreds of shops in like these small confined areas. I was honestly very surprised that, uh, it, that it could function, you know, like that it was working in general, like that so many people could set up shops in these areas and sustain, you know, life as they would. So that was fascinating to me, but this also brings up a very interesting consciousness idea. So what would happen is, is that people would want to get your attention to come in your store, check out your stuff and buy your stuff. Now, what would occur is like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, you know, English, speaking English, excuse me. And it gets your attention because no, not many people are speaking English. They're either speaking Arabic or they're speaking Hebrew as their first language. There were some people you could overhear talking in English, but it was maybe 10, 15% of people that conversations that you heard. So when you heard, excuse me, you were inclined to look because that is an English phrase. And you could very quickly, like the first t- couple times, it's like, oh, excuse me, like, are you American? You're like, oh, yeah, like, what's up? Like, how'd you know? Blah, blah, blah. And you kind of start talking and then it's like, very quickly, it's like, oh, let me show you inside my shop. Like, check out my shop. And you get to this place where now eventually you stop, like, trying to listen to people. It's like, okay, they're just going to try to get me in their shop. Like, why should I give them my attention? You know, they're going to try and get something out of me. So why should I just even listen to what they have to say? And, you know, it's kind of an unfortunate feeling. I found myself like kind of saddened by it because I was like here and I want to connect with people. It's like, yeah, if we want to talk, like I want to hear about your life. I want to know what it's like to be a merchant. But the caveat becomes that they want to sell you. They want to sell you something. And it's like they want to get something out of the relationship and like a monetary thing out of the relationship. When, you know, you could also just get a wealth of knowledge from someone. It could help you far more. And this idea then became amplified and actually showed its ugly head, let's say, whenever on the last day that we were there. Well, I guess the second day, but the last day nonetheless, (laughs) where it was kind of early in the morning and shops were just starting to open up. My brother and I and my dad were walking down the way and, you know, this one thing opened up and you hear the, excuse me, excuse me. And... My brother was in the lead and so he heard it, but he didn't like look. And so he kind of like looked over out of his eye and the guy was like pointing at this table that was still inside his shop because they would bring these shop, these tables out to put in front of their shop and, you know, display their stuff more on the street. So my brother hears, excuse me, excuse me. And, you know, he's kind of like not paying attention to the guy. He's like trying to look and see what he wants, but not look at the same time. And the guy starts pointing at like his thing and like my brother's kind of keeps walking and I'm not really sure exactly how it plays out, but my brother finally understands that he's not trying to sell him something. And then he's just purely asking for help. Oh, just burp. So excuse me. (laughs) And so my brother helps him being the great guy that he is. (laughs) He helps him bring the, 
bring the stand of like sunglasses or purses or whatever was out onto the street. And, you know, after he helped him, we kept walking. And the first thing my brother said was, is I almost didn't help him because I thought he was trying to sell me something. And, you know, this kind of just, this like clicked for me, for me, this just clicked everything that I laid out before where it's like, okay, now, because you're in this mindset of trying to sell me, trying to ask for something like, I'm more inclined now when you actually need help or you actually want to connect or you actually have a question that I'm just going to ignore you. So I think there's a really powerful, I believe that there's a very powerful life lesson in that story. Uh, furthermore, um, so that's that's that. Uh, if we want to transition to a little bit more of a, an emotional, I guess, thing, let me let me open up for you guys. Do, do, do. <laughs> We went to the Western Wall, and for those who don't know, the Western Wall is essentially where, I believe it's in the uh, Islam quarter of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's divided into four quarters, which is really interesting. It's the Christian quarter, which is like the top left. Uh, if we're northern orientation, Christian quarter's in the top left. Uh, the Islam quarter's in the top right. Armenians in the bottom, oh, the bottom left, I believe, and then Islam's in the bottom, or Jews are in the bottom right. And so it's actually very fascinating to see kind of the different there's like little nuances throughout each quarter of like that, like kind of brings their culture to life in a sense inside those each individualized quarters. Regardless, the in the Islam quarter or excuse me, in the Jewish quarter is the Western Wall, which is really fascinating. Like, you know, they had like little yarmulkes that they, you know, they wanted you to put on if you were going to go up to the wall and so I kind of found myself standing before going up to the wall back a little bit, kind of on this like little plat raised platform that was probably about a hundred yards behind the wall. And I just found myself kind of just standing there and I started meditating. I just closed my eyes. I started to listen and just absorb all the sounds and feelings that were around me. And very quickly, just I, oh, be, <laughs> I'm starting to feel it now. <laughs> So excuse me if I'm starting to tear up a little, uh, but just that, I just felt this over rush of emotion kind of come over me. I started tearing up and crying and I have no idea what it's from. I, you know, you could argue it was something from a past life. You could argue that just the energy of prayer in that area was overwhelming. You could argue that there was a bunch of quartz uh, stones that they used to build the wall in the area. So maybe it was literally just the frequency of the rocks we were standing on. I, I don't know what it was, but I came very overwhelmed with emotion and kind of started to cry. So I wiped my eyes, got myself together. And I was like, all right, time to go up to the wall. Everyone else is praying on it. So, you know, went in Rome, you know, grabbed my little yarmulke from the disposable yarmulke stand that they had as you walk up. I put it on and yeah, I put my hands against the wall, put my head against the wall and you know, prayed. And it was, it was, I guess pray is an interesting word. It was more meditating, but I guess there's like a very tight similarity between praying and meditating. can't say for sure, but I'm just putting it out there that that is probably a thing. But again, the emotions kind of came rushing in and I found myself starting to cry again by just meditating on the wall. Again, I don't know if it's because everyone else was doing it, you know, just the energy of everyone else around you doing it. It amplifies the emotions. I don't know. 
but it was uh, it was powerful, moving stuff. So we went back, um, started to walk up again, and and another thing to point out is that there's like a divid- divider uh, on the wall. So like if you're looking at the wall, there's a divider that's kind of on the ground, but dividing a left and right side. My brother and I had no idea what it was. Our first assumption was is that uh, Jews were on the left and then uh, um, Muslims were on the right. Yep, that turned to be false because my brother tried to walk down the right side and he was stopped, abruptly stopped. And they were like, what are you doing? And he was like, I just want to go up to the wall. And they're like, this is the female side. And that's when everything clicked. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> they divided left and right for males and females. I'm not really sure why. Didn't do a whole lot of research. Just found that out. We then kind of walked up to Temple Mount. We checked out that area. And we only had like 10 minutes because between certain time frames, I think it was like between 1030 and 1230. It's like Muslim only and they kick everybody else out. And then I think there's another window from 1230 to 330, maybe 1230 to 130. Regardless, there's certain times. So if you're going to visit, definitely make sure unless you're Muslim, then you can go whenever you want. But otherwise, there's only a certain time frame for non-Muslims to physically be on Temple Mount and yeah, almost got yelled at a couple times, but, you know, didn't want to piss anybody off there. <laughs> so I made my way to the exit, rendezvoused with Dad and Jared, and we checked out another church. Oh, and then we walked we walked the path that Jesus, they have it, like, mapped out, the path that Jesus walked with the cross. They have, like, uh, like plaques, essentially, like, at the certain, like, where he, where he got the cross, where he was condemned to death, where he got the cross you know, where he fell, the people that wiped his face. Um, I think it was Veronica wiped his face where he saw his mom, where he talked to women, where, you know, he then eventually like put his, uh, cross up and we got to see the, yeah. And so then right beside where he put his cross up was the church where, you know, they prepared his body for, you know, burial. They then had, like the stone that they used to prepare his body and then down underneath um, the, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, and then they have like a little sanctuary and guys, this thing's beautiful. Like it was absolutely insane how beautiful this sanctuary was where essentially he was his final resting place. You know, I'll put that in air quotes cause he ascended. I don't want to get into the whole religious aspect of it. I, <laughs> I was raised uh, Presbyterian, but I don't, you know, fully dive into it. Regardless, it was absolutely beautiful. And I'm going to share all these photos. I'm going to put them up somewhere on a on a drive. And unfortunately, it might not be in these notes, but look down a little bit, like look at the next few weeks in review. And I'm going to put them all up somewhere and try to organize them so people can check out every picture I took and give them some captions or something. I don't know. It's a lot. So we'll figure that out. Uh, and then the last thing we did in Jerusalem was check out the city of David, which had these really cool taverns or tunnels, taverns, tunnels, had really cool tunnels. And we kind of just walked through them. They were like super tight knit. very, very close quartered. Um, I, I really don't know much about it. Uh, we kind of, you know, they were something to do with the waterways and, you know, it was just, it was just really cool. The rock formations that they had there. So, you know, go check that out. Definitely requires a lot of steps. So you'll get a good workout in if you go and do that. So highly recommend that. 
And then as we were leaving, we tried to check out the Holocaust Museum, uh, Yad Vashem. However, we only had like a couple minutes uh, and they needed you needed to get a reservation to check it out. And we had a flight to catch to a lot where I'm at now, which actually gets you all caught up on, yeah, where I'm at <laughs> and a lot. Um, yeah, but so that's kind of my personal, let's say, weekend review with regards to physically what I did. There were a couple other things here that I did want to mention with regards to podcast. In episode 29, we actually have a first. Can you guess what it was? Dramatic pause. We actually opened the door on aliens. How about that? Pretty cool stuff, right? We kind of just touch and go, so don't expect like this whole drawn out conversation about aliens. But there's just like a little touch and go like, you know, thing about it. Like it's a section of episode 29. So get ready for that. Um, and then I also, well, I'll save that. I have it written here what I wanted to tell you guys, but we'll save that because I'll do a whole episode on when I actually, yeah, that's just going to be a little teaser. <laughs> the other thing is, is that, let's see here. What do we have? Oh, what is your Saturn return? So I'll drop these in the, man, this is just becoming a long podcast. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I've got to get drained. I'll be honest with you guys. I haven't talked this long by myself, but let's push through it. Let's make it happen. Saturn return. So anytime you hear a planet return, it means that that planet is going back into the same like degrees and location of itself relative to earth of when you were born. So for instance, your Saturn return occurs roughly 28 to 30 years after your birth. So Saturn takes about 28 to 30 years to return to the same like degree offset from Earth as it was when you were born. So I had no idea what this meant. I was like, okay, so that's just what a return means, right? Uh, there's talk about the Pluto return that's actually happening for the United States. So Pluto, for instance, which is much further away than Saturn, it takes 246, 47 years, something like that. But the point is, is that it's returning to the same spot that it was whenever Earth, whenever the United States was born. So like humans don't have a Pluto return because we don't live to be 247 years old unless there is someone out there that does. And I don't know about them, but that's a different conversation. So. Yeah, so I'll drop a link down below that of a of some links that actually are very interesting. I'll also drop a link for a calendar, a calculator, which will tell you the date of your Pluto return. And we or sorry, Saturn return. And we actually have three of these in the lifetime, assuming that we live to, I think, 88. So like you have it at 28, you have it at like 58 or 50 something, 56, and then like 84. Don't quote me on that, but check out the calculator if you're interested. And then Here's one more thing that's actually a very good idea to wrap up on. And this is a life thing. And I, I'm looking at this through the lens of the Saturn return. But this is something that I believe you should take with you and just about everything spiritual. Everything with this whole spiritual consciousness realm. This is what I would lead you with advice. Is when you're introduced to a new idea, such as a Saturn return, there's a lot of different interpretations of it. Like there's different little nuances and nobody can really give you a clear cut thing that it, it is. So what I suggest is you read articles until you find one that resonates with you. So as an example, I'm going to drop these links below again. 
but the one on tarot.com, like that one super resonated with me. Like it made sense to me. I was like, oh shit, like this is a, this is it. Like this is what it means to me. Now there's another one that I'm going to drop, which is horoscope.com. And this was the first one that I found. And to me, I was like, this is messy. This doesn't really make sense. I don't really feel what this guy's saying. So the power of this is I want you to discern on your own, read both of them yourself and let me know. Be like, hey, yeah, the horoscope one resonates with me. The tarot one, I'm throwing that in the trash. So, you know, take that for what it is. Take it what it is. There's Saturn returns definitely going to happen no matter what you think, but it just comes down to what it means for you. Whew. This might be the longest uh, catch up with Clayton we've had. And quite frankly, I think they're going to be roughly this long because we've got big stuff coming. Uh, I am recording this on March 22nd. It's a Tuesday. I know I usually do this on Wednesday, but tomorrow we're going to Petra and I don't really know if I'm going to be able to record at night. So I'm getting it all out of the way right now. So with that being said, thank you. Love you guys. And next time we tune in, I will have Petra for you and we'll be coming from Giza. So get ready for that. But with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, I love you and let's continue to grow together.